All right, welcome back to the 14th episode of the Desi VC guys, a podcast where I your host Akash Pat explore the Indian venture capital ecosystem by speaking to leading angel investors and venture capitalists investing in tech startups. Before we proceed, I have some great news to share with everybody. Just this past week, we broke into the top 10 investing podcasts in India, and I want to take a minute to thank everybody, all of you listeners who tune in each week for helping us get here. It's been a short yet fulfilling and educating experience for all of us so far, so I really appreciate all your support and help in getting us to where we are today. Okay, now let's move on and come to this week's episode. We've explored various forms of investing on this podcast so far: angel investing, traditional venture capital, corporate venture capital. But today, let's take this a step further and introduce venture debt on the show. I have with me Ishpreet Singh Gandhi, who is the founder and managing partner at Stride Ventures. He brings over 13 years of experience encompassing banking, private equity and venture capital. And during his last assignment as regional head MNCs at IDFC Bank, he spearheaded startup business by initiating lending business with portfolio companies in fintech, consumer, logistics and agri-tech space. He has completed his post-graduation from Delhi University and holds a bachelor's in commerce from DU as well. Let's head into the episode and learn all about venture debt and how it differs from traditional venture capital. Hi, Ishpreet, and welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here today. I'm looking forward to engaging with you. But before we do that, let me ask you, how are you doing? These are unprecedented times. Hope everyone's around you safe and sound. Hi, Akash. Thanks for uh, uh, inviting me for the podcast. Uh, excited to be a part of this. Yeah, but these are definitely uh, not the times which all of us have, would have imagined that we'll be facing. But uh, I think I'm, I'm I'm the most optimistic around the way I speak to people uh, and try to gauge what's happening. I personally believe that uh, there is a silver lining uh, around everything. And though all of us on on this scenario in terms of the virus affecting the lives, personal, professional, have thought thought process because we've been at homes and and trying to uh, read a lot of stuff. But I I believe there will be a lot of uh, transformation which will be for the good. So uh, uh, as I said, the optimism is there to make sure that this uh, turns into an opportunity for all of us. It's good to hear that all's well. I hope we all come out of it with a silver lining. Well, you know, I know a little bit about your journey, but I'd love to hear the key events in your career that led you to where you are today. So take us through your background and your journey and what really attracted you to investing. Sure. Uh, so uh, actually, I started my career uh, near to the financial crisis. Uh, 14 years back, a few years in the career when financial crisis happened, I, I was working with Standard Chartered. This was my first job out of the campus. Uh, I was there in a, so I think you, you belong to India as well. I was there in the SME sector in India in terms of funding that sector, small, medium enterprises. We used to term it uh, below 250 crores, which is uh, approximately $30 million. And fund them on different structures as per the requirements of the business. So naturally, since 2008 happened, post that uh, one thing which came out from there, which still people have started speaking today in these kind of crises as well, is cash is king, right? 
so uh, that was a time when you realized the importance of cash and businesses who built frugally and realized the importance of uh, every bit of money turnovers were important how do you rotate your businesses working capital solutions so i think uh, that that really gave uh, a bit of insight in terms of what we are facing today naturally uh, no comparison uh, there are a lot of uncertainties around you can't gauge to what extent this is going as of now it's not looking promising at all but uh, ultimately uh, i think definitely there will be a life post this uh, we'll all all fight this together and i think that's that's the time uh, going back that that gave me a lot of insights into an sme sector in that time of 8 to 10 uh, i built it up for stanchart uh, was part of uh, north region uh, then i moved to city bank for a while to build commercial banking for them then i had a stint by, uh, with indian private banks to lead the large corporates and multinational corporates uh, this was among the top indian banks like kotak uh, when i was in yes bank i also initiated the uh, while handling the corporate banking multinationals i started engaging with venture capital that's what that was my first uh, experience with the venture capital industry the genesis and thesis was that while we have been thick with lot of corporate relationships uh, but there have been li- limited understanding on venture capital uh, funding from debt perspective so uh, maintain equations with some of the top vc firms in india since then and coincidentally or luckily that was the time uh, when actually this asset class was gaining momentum in india as well though it's been around uh, for a while since 2007 8 but i personally believe last 5 years has been more exciting for debt uh, especially to the startups as an industry i don't want to classify this as venture debt only but uh, that's the time when i was leading that vertical and uh, we started funding so for my first check out of the bank book which i did was a company called bira it's a beer brand in india backed by sequoia sequoia just entered at a series a round uh, and uh, that's where i thought that while i built sme commercial and corporate banking businesses for the banks uh, this is an exciting model where there will be a different credit dynamics uh, you have to understand the product offering and unit economics of a business before funding them uh, so we started giving a lot of uh, we started providing a lot of working capital solutions to them bira was the first check uh, um, it started with a smaller amount and we gradually increased then i i from the banking book this is the first time ever a fintech got funded was lending cart this was in 2016 when we funded them harsh lunia is the founder there i remember a great interaction with him when he really gave that fintech word some different flair in terms of building an unsecured book in india using algorithms and credit analysis uh, then i went to the logistics side of the business uh, funded companies like revigo uh, and uh, also uh, supply chain businesses like uh, leap india which is based out of bombay it's it's into pallets uh, and then idfc hired me to build that vertical for them i did it for them uh, in a similar manner in terms of building a scalable book on the working capital solutions for uh, for uh, different kind of op- offerings with the working capital or term loan structures it's when i realized and that was a tipping point uh, to basically why you want to limit yourself to a bank in terms of building a franchise why can't you as as an ecosystem partner to all the startups and uh, venture capital funds in india give a comprehensive debt solution uh, which is not limited to you only as a franchise so stride gaming being 14 15 months back in january 2019 when i came out of my last job of idfc 
and uh, we applied for the license uh, within 5 6 months we were active we announced our first close late last year we've already done three transactions in the past four months uh, uh, and uh, we we've been sector agnostic as such but we do have certain theses which which i would love to describe how we how we look at our companies basically uh, this was a transition from being a banker to a venture debt player while working closely with the venture capital industry luckily uh, no no banker as of now uh, in terms of a comprehensive experience across asset classes has done it in india so we already think that there's a great opportunity for us to explore uh, um, and uh, basically that's about it so i love how you have leveraged your banking background to build a, a, a venture debt firm so you're now the managing partner at stride ventures which you founded in 2019 your firm focuses on venture debt financing for for startups but let's start with the basics here what are the various differences between equity based financing something that we are all extremely familiar with and debt based financing look uh, uh, both of them works in a, in a very different perspective akash uh, while equity financing is generally is a is a call which you take on the founders in terms of uh, defining when they have an idea in the mind especially at early stage venture funding when they have an idea in mind uh, there is a team who can possibly execute that idea in a flawless manner you have a lot of convictions around that when you take a leap of faith and say okay i'm ready to back you uh, definitely for the next 6 to 10 years depending on your appetite as a fund but uh, uh, venture debt works works in a different manner um, Uh, especially uh, so there are two facets of venture debt if i may call it so as of now what we've seen in india the way it's traditionally run which is more of a common accepted way of doing lending here uh, has been that you come uh, with an equity round you back a uh, you work very closely with the equity ecosystem and investors and you do your debt round on the top of it and your underwriting basically is of the premise of that 2 to 3 year credit calls which you take on that company so you need uh, you need to have naturally a proof of concept your revenues would have started coming in to a certain extent but majorly the call have been uh, call would be on the equity of the uh, company how much they have raised and what kind of investors are backing uh, within that at stride we have just uh, slightly differentiated this approach in terms of the way we on approach this so we are saying that a business especially uh, 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 businesses at series a to series c uh where they have raised amount closer to 7 million to anywhere from till 50 million dollars might have various kind of requirements for their working capital solutions this could be uh they blocking the equity for the inventory piece they could be blocking the equity for the receivable piece but there is no solution comprehensive solution available to them uh from the from the ecosystem and because they they burn there is a loss it's traditionally not bankable as such so we tend to fund those companies in various structure as per the business requirements uh depending on their receivable cycle depending on their kind of uh, capital expenditure they might have uh, in their business we support them on various working capital solutions so it, it works to answer your question in a very precise manner it works uh, entirely opposite to an equity way of uh, funding a company it's more of cash flow based financing is generally the underline in terms of funding a company with 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 the decent amount of equity uh, to protect and a good investor backing it and it's not a typical traditionally a 6 to 10 year call uh, it's anywhere from our, in our case we do up to 18 months but generally as an ecosystem people do it up to 3 years 
Now, what are the may, bare minimum criteria that qualifies a startup for venture debt in your eyes? You know, you mentioned things like, you know, it needs to have some revenues, but is it, is, would you end up funding some, uh, a startup that is probably cash flow negative for that matter? Or are there certain criterias that you have set for yourself that you're only going to meet, if a startup meets those, um, those, those metrics, it's only then that you'll end up financing them? Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, not a single answer here, Akash. Uh, but uh, it's a various, it's combination of factors. The way traditionally you take uh, an equity-based call, uh, it's not entirely same. But I'll, I'll just try to give you a genesis. For example, uh, for us at Stride, we we definitely look cash flow-based businesses, not negative cash flows. So cash flow becomes a critical uh, aspect in terms of funding a company. Over top of that, we like more of B2B businesses, uh, and that's been our uh, thesis uh, since the time we have started Stride. So uh, B2B business means that generally receivables are coming from the corporate. Uh, but seeing the scenarios, we've started diversifying a bit in exceptional cases uh, in for direct to, uh, direct to home brands, where there are cash flows, but might be from the end consumers. Also, uh, we look, uh, uh, besides this, we also look at the unit economics and the gross margins of the business. So traditionally, we do not fund uh, negative unit economics business who are trying to create a market for the future. While entering today, they might have some losses. Uh, that's fair. Uh, that's acceptable, but not for the sake of not having uh, unit economics in the business. And over top of this, we definitely look at the, the industry, uh, the segment they're working in, the kind of founders who are running, uh, what kind of trends that particular uh, sector can go through. That becomes a broader uh, common point of uh, underwriting. How much importance do you end up giving to the cap table while evaluating a startup? Do you have? Do you think about the option where you know I can ring a partner up at Sequoia or at Kalari and learn about the odds of them writing a bridge round um, to verify the health of a startup? Absolutely, uh, that's that's very critical in venture debt. So you need to have. Um, a fair degree of confidence in terms of the equity investors' support going forward for the company. Uh, we have also backed a company which is backed by Impact Investor. Uh, so uh, an Impact Investor thesis generally is to go long-term with the company and not mm -hmm. thinking like a, a, a traditional commercial uh, bent of mind in terms of looking at only returns. I personally believe Impact Investing has taken a different turn and has started giving good returns as well because your intent is to go really long with the company, which surprises you in a positive note uh, of, for, for the sheer impact of the sector. So uh, yeah, uh, you're right. Uh, I think it, it works hand in glove with the venture capital industry. You need to know what kind of support they can provide in case of a stress of the company for the debt to get repaid. But as I said, since we rely on the cash flows of the company, at Stride, our first aim is that the business should be generating receivables to service your debt, and the equity should be secondary. Uh, but yeah, it should be available in the case of a dire need of a company. Very interesting. So a revenue-based financing or debt-based financing, as it's popularly known, if done right, can be a gift, especially for, you know, you mentioned B2B companies, SaaS companies. You can use it to bring, bring on a couple of higher-level executives or improve your customer success team, uh, which in turn reduces churn. Metrics that really matter for investors and companies as they grow. This on paper Absolutely. looks extremely, extremely founder-friendly, Ishpreet. Now, why has this taken so long for it to become quote-unquote popular in India? 
Um, no, I think uh, there are a couple of factors towards it. Uh, so as of now, the ecosystem, uh, there are two, three players, three players uh, from it, uh, who have been trying to do this. And I think there is there is a lot of, uh, uh, so as per the proportion of the venture capital, it's not as much available. Even if you combine the corpus available now with four of us, I think there's a significant underpenetration if you compare it with West, where 10 to 15 percent of the market is served by debt. It has not taken... Um, uh, it has not been uh, generally accepted uh, by by businesses also in a great manner because generally people have offered a combination of a longer term uh, tenor. So we are trying to educate on the working capital structures more. Uh, and I think together as uh, as an ecosystem, all of us are trying to do it. Uh, we believe that over the next couple of years, you'll hear a lot about debt. It has already picked, I personally believe, in the past one year or so. Uh, we think that in the past next couple of years, debt will play a very critical role because, as you rightly mentioned, uh, after certain rounds of equity, you don't want to dilute too much as founders. We have seen scenarios in which the founders have diluted to a large extent in some cases, and had they taken debt, uh, it would have been protected to a large uh, manner. So uh, we, all of us are trying to educate in the ecosystem. I, I, I think it, it will start getting more momentum post, uh, post this corona world. Because there will be a lot of equity dryness, and if structured well, this can give them uh, leeway to extend uh, extend the, uh, uh, the burn to a large extent and and milestones. So you did bring up the question of coronavirus and what the world is going to look like post this uh, pandemic. Now, my question, or I'm, what I'm really curious to understand here is, what have you observed in the industry since the time that you started investing? It could have been previously from a banking perspective or currently at Stride. And more specifically, what are the trends that you're seeing in venture debt financing in India? If you could probably highlight a couple of things that you've been personally noticing, that would be amazing. Yeah, I think trend, uh, Akash, I, I, I briefly touched upon it. I think working capital financing uh, will play a vital role. Uh, I personally believe this debt should not be looked upon a three-year term loan uh, for a company. Though it always was sitting on the top of a venture capital round, equity round, I think if, if structured well on the basis of uh, businesses' cash flow, uh, I think this uh, this can really play a vital role uh, on the working capital side of the business. So uh, it would be always business-specific if we go uh, down and break it up towards the sector. If a logistics company... Um, uh, has a lot of truckers on their platform, right? And generally they end up providing the service upfront. They have to pay drivers upfront, but they get their receivables over a period of time from the corporates. So that's that's possibly the equity getting blocked there for the working capital solution. Similarly, if you take uh, uh, any other sector uh, where you have a lot of capital expenditure, you will do that capital expenditure upfront, while the realization of the revenues will happen over a period of time. All of these generally results into equity deployment, and hence you uh, uh, you possibly should uh, replace it with debt structures as much as possible. So at Stride, we're working very closely with the banks as well to make uh, uh, companies familiar, uh, ecosystem familiar in terms of how we structure this. Uh, we have already done, as I said, three companies. First one uh, was a company called Stellaps, which we announced. Uh, this is the uh, first company of Gates Foundation, Bill Gates Foundation in India have uh, 11 equity investors, including ABB, Qualcomm. So there also we, we realized that they had a lot of CapEx structures. There is a lot of 
um, there's a lot of bank guarantees they have to give to for the government contracts here locally in India. Again, those bank guarantees generally have been asked by blocking 100% of cash. So we are trying to seek possible structures in order to free their cash uh, and uh, useful optimization for those cash rather than blocking it uh, for a while. This is where I think debt will play a significant role across. And this is where I think banks should also play a larger role. Uh, so we have already working very closely with signed MOUs with the banks and working very closely for all the companies which we have been working with. I think this will gain more popularity going forward. I think you and I were t- talking about this before the podcast as well. The thing that I really like about smart entrepreneurs and startups that have gone on today's successful uh, venture debt is the fact that they don't spend it like equity. You know, they mm-hmm. raise it and then they end up spend and then they don't spend it on a net basis. And the ones who will probably do that are going to benefit the most from debt financing. Now, you spoke about education and how you're trying and working very closely with some industry stakeholders to really educate the startups out there that, hey, there is another round of finance. There is another alternate to uh, to equity financing that can probably benefit or be a little bit more founder friendly. where You can hang on to your, to your, to your uh, percentages and ensure that there's no dilution. What, in your opinion, has been the biggest challenge in going about this whole education process? How are you trying to reach to the masses and let them know there is that there is this alternate route of financing that they need to be thinking about? Yeah, great question, uh, Akash. Uh, look, what happens is, uh, see, uh, because you've been in the venture capital ecosystem, uh, I think in India, Bangalore, in India and in US now. Uh, so see from a founder's perspective, what's going through his mind? Uh, his mind says that, okay, I'm, I'm, if I have to build a great business uh, and if I have these venture capital investors backing me uh, or my business, this can go a long way in terms of uh, defining where I end up being. And generally, it becomes a rat race sometimes. Uh, so they end up chasing valuations and uh, GMVs or particular revenue numbers, which ultimately would result in another round and another valuation number. So generally, I, what we have seen is founders are chasing uh, revenues for valuation and henceforth uh, chicken and egg story sometimes. What we are educating them is that there is a life beyond. Uh, you would not believe there are a lot of founders who are not privy about all these structures of how uh, equity is getting deployed and how possibly they can have maximum utilization. So in terms of education, uh, we uh, naturally we've been working very closely with the venture capital community. We're having close discussions with them because ultimately a lot of the companies are part of their portfolio. I, as I said, I've worked five years in this industry. A lot of, no, lot of, uh, not lot of guys. So we've been so first company which we funded uh, or the second which we have funded are all through those relationships where they know that because of banking days we have structured those working capital solutions in a very different manner, which has really uh, been prudent for a company. I'll give you an instance. When we started with Bira, we gave them an exposure of a million dollar and uh, uh, we topped it up with another $2 million. We topped it up with another $10 million. And this is what banks can do for a large extent in the ecosystem. So it's very important to speak to the community, tell them about it, speak to the founder community. We're trying to educate through a series of webinars these days as well, uh, which which highlights how, how the debt can play a vital role. Uh, yeah, so we've just started an, almost a an year back on ground. So uh, we built Delhi and Bombay as offices, uh, starting with Bangalore now. So I think we're, we're trying a bit in terms of educating as many people as possible throughout the ecosystem. It will take time, but we're very definitely we are, we're confident that this will uh, definitely come up in a very great manner going forward. 
No, that's amazing. I'm glad that you're working on webinars and really trying to educate more people as possible. Now, say I'm a founder and I'm thinking about my next round of financing or if I'm, think, or, or I'm having certain metrics that really are standing out. I have revenues coming in. When should I really start thinking about raising venture debt from you know somebody like yourself? Uh, so uh, typically we have uh, uh, made some basic criteria in terms of revenues, uh, uh, which where you should start looking at it. So if you have started touching, say, uh, an ARR of two million dollar plus, um, I think it's it's a good time that you get in touch with us. Uh, start start and uh, making us understand your business model, uh, the kind of revenues which flows in, how it's been building up, what the kind of growth you're seeing. And uh, understanding the business, which which sector you belong to, uh, what kind of receivables are they, and how scalable are they? Uh, I'm sure that we'll be able to structure our solutions there. But uh, yeah, minimum threshold uh, to answer is two million dollar ARR, which I think is fair enough these days, because Series A companies uh, generally, uh, most of the Series A companies, uh, I'm talking about rationality of the businesses, don't don't go towards the valuations and some of them non-revenue businesses on that. But in a generic manner, a Series A company uh, with, with, which has raised a Series A six months, one year down the line should have those kind of ARRs is what we believe. And that, that becomes our target segment. I want to extend that question a little bit further. I'm curious to understand sure. what kind of diligence that you get into. Is it a very similar diligence that a traditional VC firm would undertake? Or are you guys looking into some other metrics or are you are you shutting shutting your eyes to certain things that traditional VCs would probably dig a little more deeper into and and try and see if it makes sense for them? Look, though our underwriting uh, says uh, that it's it's an eighteen month credit call, which means that post eighteen month our money should be returned. But uh, we are definitely seeing a business. I'll, I'll tell you uh, how the venture debt is structured from the economics perspective to uh, probably answer this question better. So Perfect. typically, how we work, uh, yeah, how we work is that we uh, price our loans uh, in mid-teens uh, with the with the uh, with the equity kicker. So basically, uh, since naturally we start at Series A, these are uh, riskier transactions on uh, on credit calls. So it's it comes out a little expensive. So we're targeting a return of twenty odd percent. So while uh, while doing this, uh, since we have equity kickers. Plus, the intent is that after 18 months or so, the company would pay you back the money. Our credit underwriting generally revolves around uh, an aspect of this loan. It has the company's cash flow, has the ability to repay the loan uh, over a period of 18 months through their cash flows. And that's where the businesses would matter, right? That what kind of business you're running. Um, so diligence will further go into uh, understanding. Uh, we do a lot of we do a lot of customer check luckily from our previous experience since we have handled commercial and corporates in our life for a company stating that x uh, this this is an x customer of mine or a y customer of mine for us to go back to the customer and understand how the business has been built around that customer becomes very easy in terms of our uh, uh, linkages so understanding how the cash flows uh, are coming through that customers what's the customer's feedback on them uh, how well the founders will be able to position this business not only for 18 months but for the next uh, three to five years because we also want to get uh, banks in for our companies in order to scale them debt and it's not only co-lending with banks I think banks provide a lot of different flavor which a lot of uh, few startups understand uh, so for uh, uh, taking similar example for a logistics company 
if a if a trucker is a part of your platform who does the underlying service and he does it daily if he gets funded daily for his service rather than the startup paying after 15 to 30 days i think it provides a lot of merit for that trucker to be a part of platform it's just like ola or uber driver getting paid for the daily trips so these are the structures uh, a structure like this or a structure for a farmer uh, for example associated with a agritech company if he gets paid daily for his service um uh, there is a wow factor of getting associated a lot of pull comes in for the startup to to have right kind of farmers in his platform it, despite whatever service he is providing to the farmers right or whatever uh, uh, vendor procurement he is doing from his farmers so all of these structures we understand banks can play a vital role and that's what the debt according to me is in the ecosystem it's not only giving money and taking money back after 18 months it's how you can really build this startup to a manner in which uh of as we say fintech or or co-lending as structures can really play a vital role uh towards scaling the company um so uh this is entirely a part of our diligence because what we believe it uh is when we're entering a company it should be from a long term perspective uh it's a very different thing what we do we take an observer position in all our portfolio companies just to maintain the fact that we can keep on building the value at so all the portfolio companies which you have done till now as a lender we have a observer position which is very unique in this industry just to maintain that uh, this all things comes together for the company in order to have a scalable business model and uh, that business model is basically again of the premise that uh, even if these companies after a while will stop taking equity rounds they can stand uh, stand on their own feet only using scalable debt that's very interesting because i've never heard of observer seats that have been given to venture debt investors so that's something very unique um yeah. that's that's if that's been happening and a lot of venture debt investors are getting access and where they're really able to see and witness growth and witness also what's mm-hmm. happening internally uh, at a board level that's really insightful for them in future investments that they make so yeah. that's brilliant that I you're able to so. receive this is the first time ever somebody has done it Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, Spellabs was the first transaction ever in the Indian startup ecosystem that a lender has got an observer seat. So we're setting that trend uh, just to make sure that uh, if really debt is the way to go for a company and they really believe in your structures and your solutions, mm-hmm. you should understand in and out what's happening in the company rather than only taking MIS. And I have I have always been a firm supporter and. Uh, 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 very very clear on that thought process that it, when you're giving money company it should not have any color of equity or debt you're ultimately right. taking a call on a company right so if every right to know what's happening uh, internally in a company rather than just sitting outside as a lender though the, just to highlight as a lender you do get some other rights as well you have naturally a superior right over and above the equity investor from a mm-hmm. perspective of liquidation liquidation um, that's right yeah and uh, you you are a senior secured lender so and uh, generally we are the first lender to the company so we do have the charge on whatever assets possibly you can have mm-hmm. generally startups as you are aware do not have any fixed assets so uh, whatever asset charge you can create of the company is an exclusive lender generally has a lot of deterrent in terms of your uh, repayments but mm-hmm. yeah observer seat is not for the sake of taking it it's majorly for the sake of building a business right so i don't think it's a sell from our end i think it's an acceptance from a company stating no this is an equal value at what an equity investor can provide for building a business once mm-hmm. you start having that kind of th- thought process i think it becomes very clear in terms of having that discussion now that's brilliant i i really find that interesting and i really hope that trend continues in the ecosystem 
And now just to extend that question a little further as well, what kind of warrants and covenants do you prefer when you're speaking to startups and making an investment? So uh, generally, uh, in terms of covenants, uh, uh, we are more concerned about uh, the burn not getting uh, out of hands. So if company has uh, some projections which which they have given, and those projections actually as, as startups, uh, all of us are familiar, been in the industry for a while, that you have to discount some bit of projections for a startup. But it should not be uh, an over-optimistic projection, which is nowhere near to the reality. So we have covenants. We term it financial and non-financial covenants. Financial covenants are in, 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 uh, in perspective of the burn, which possibly you have to be uh, in control of. Uh, it would also be some kind of ratios which you have to maintain. Uh, um, so, for example, if a company has raised, uh, let's presume, $15 million of equity, so the total lending should not exceed because you, you would have as much capability to repay the debt. Uh, so we do have some covenants around that. Non-financial will be basically uh, the change in control, which means the top leadership uh, control change or, uh, or some other softer aspects which are critical in the day-to-day -day running of the business. Now, that was, that was going to be my next question to you, in fact. You know, how much debt, in your opinion, should a company raise, you know, somebody that's at Series A level? Should they be thinking about three months, six months, nine months runway? What's the ideal scenario here, in your opinion, for a company that's raised or has, is raising a Series A investment? Generally, we like giving uh, 10 to 15% of the equity raised as debt. Mm -hmm. So let's take a company with uh, $15 million of equity raised, right? So we'll be looking anywhere from 2 to $3 million, uh, as a debt structure. And I think that will be right as per the uh, business uh, overall uh, health, health perspective, not coming to specifically business there. I'm just saying as a generic health perspective, 15, 20% outer line of a debt is fine for the company who's, who are doing losses. Uh, on the second aspect uh, of how much cash they need to have in the at the bank, uh, I think uh, we generally prefer companies at least with six to nine months, as you rightly mentioned, of having cash already in the bank, uh, if not more. Because ideally how it works uh, is that if you have, let's resume 12 months of cash and you re reach X milestones using the 12 months of cash, if we give you additional debt, you might want to do your next round of equity later. Right, you can defer it and extend your milestones, and you will have a better possibility of a higher revenue, hence higher valuations. Or if you're not playing that game and you're playing traditional game of scaling up and debt is sufficient enough, then I think that cash, any which way, you might have reached that point. I'm talking about more of Series B companies from there. You might have reached that point that your, your unit economics are uh, your uh, your burn has practically coming to a zero, and uh, your uh, gross margins will take care of your growth going forward. And that can be then possibly a more larger percentage of what equity have raised till now. So it totally depends on what stage of the business you are in, to be honest. No, that completely makes sense. I mean, for a B2B sort of a SaaS model, yeah. uh, a company that's in that space, um, I think a six, three to six month runway is kind of something which is very ideal in my opinion. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Because um, no, no, you can like thinking about, you, you, you at the same time, I mean, you don't want to, if you're raising a fresh round of funding, um, you know, let, if, even if that's a bridge round or a series B for that matter, investors might get too cautioned knowing that their money might be going to paying off debt in case you end up taking nine months yeah. or beyond that. 
And sure. uh, that's that's kind of like a red flag if you're a series B investor saying, oh, you know what, I'm going to be investing a whole lot of money into this company and they're only going to yeah. be paying off their debts from the previous round of investment and we really don't want to be participating in this round. So you want to be very cautious yeah. as, as a founder as well. And this is the best we can maintain, but uh, naturally you can't rule out the factor of serendipity, right? So what we have seen currently in the current scenarios where there is a uh, lot of uncertainties to, towards duration of lockdown and uh, shape of subsequent recovery. One of our companies, all of a sudden, has uh, really done well uh, because the impetus was there with them. And they were they are the one who are doing revenues these days. So any company who's doing revenues are seeing, uh, uh, are seeing a lot of positive eyes. So from that perspective, they, uh, 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 they have all of a sudden got a term sheet from nowhere towards a very large of a very large round so i'm just saying that uh, it's it's a matter of serendipity as well you can't you can't uh, uh, basically uh, 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 you can't keep it aside but yeah uh, you're right these are the generic factors which, which would remain in order to for us to look at it right completely agreed on that now we've discussed a lot about the upsides of raising uh, debt financing you know there are a lot of benefits for founders it's founder friendly you're kind of getting on you you can you have a runway of three to six months you're able to get on new people reduce churn if you if you kind of like you are able to successfully execute how you're going to use those um, use that kind of funding now let's talk about the downside this kind of sure. is also something that founders need to be aware about uh, and especially those who are thinking about raising debt financing they need to be aware about the downsides of raising this out of um, uh, capital what in your opinion should they be extremely aware of and why shouldn't a startup raise debt financing if they're thinking about going down that route glad you brought that uh, akash because uh, uh, the general perception is uh, every company is debt ready which is not the case because uh, i uh, so if you see possibly 25 30 companies uh, in a month in a very serious manner we might end up finalizing on a couple of them where we believe, uh, and these are all backed by venture capital, where we believe that they are debt ready. Debt ready is a very important and critical aspect here that a uh, lot of businesses actually think that debt is a substitute to equity, which is not the case. Uh, if your business is early in the game and requires more of validation towards the business. So, for example, we spoke about six to nine months of cash companies which are more direct to consumer right so uh, naturally it would see a lot of positivities what we presume going forward especially if it is done in the right sector but not necessarily uh, those are those are the companies who are ready for the debt just because they are six months of cash or nine months of cash lying with them so not all businesses not all businesses are basically uh, debt ready uh, as i said uh, it should be uh, cash flow based businesses where there is a predictability of the revenues uh, it should not be erratic. It should not be like a black hole where the burn is uh, really erratic and getting changed every month on month. Uh, so where there's a predictability of the cash flows and your capital is getting blocked for some reasons, debt is the right structure according to me. Um, so uh, I think uh, basically it, it, it has to be business uh, oriented. And uh, the downside there happens if you end up taking debt and your erratic uh, 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 the, the burn uh, becomes more uh, more deep i think from there on in uh, the repercussions can be severe as i said that you have more rights as lenders so uh, possibly have already given a lot of rights for uh, for invoking uh, possibly pledge of shares if you have given pledge of shares 
if you've given some other guarantees, invo invocation of those guarantees or invocation of your assets, which deeply hurt uh, the founders and the companies. So yeah, uh, since you have more rights than an equity investor, it's very critical to know that who should take that. It's not uh, basically should not be available to everyone and every founder should be educated about the possible uh, repercussions which they might face in case they do not oblige or take care of uh, their uh, repayments. Now that I'm, I'm glad you brought up the points and highlighted why a startup should not be looking at uh, debt financing. That's extremely important um, when people are, when, when founders are thinking about what their options are at different phases of, of growth. Now, when they're looking at Stride for that matter, um, you know, what, what, can they, what, what can they expect? What can startups really be expecting when they're thinking about approaching you? What is your investment thesis? You did mention previously that B2B happens to be an area of focus, but under B2B, are you developing certain sector thesis? Are there specific sectors that you will steer away from or are extremely attracted to at this point, given their various market factors and the economy taken into consideration? So if you could expand a little more of, on what Stride is currently developing in terms of that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, so basically uh, carrying on the B2B discussion, uh, uh, basically that's that's the thesis that it, it can be B2B to C or B2B, both are acceptable for us because ultimately there's, uh, there is a consumer at the end of the cycle and it is getting, it is getting processed through a business customer. So that's also fine. Uh, basically post, we've already started uh, introspecting uh, in terms of what are the sectors which which would do, uh, which would come out stronger post what we are going through. And we believe that uh, education, we have already funded one company in education. I think education um, looks very exciting to us. We personally like uh, companies like uh, 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 QFIT in terms of wellness, uh, fitness, because people will be more conscious about uh, their health since you're talking about immunity these days and all that. We are also, uh, so uh, this is an extension to the healthcare, what I spoke about. So there are a lot of healthcare solutions which have started coming B2B, B2, B2, B2C, which excites us. Um, there, there, uh, there are sectors which are again direct to consumer, which can be in the form of e-commerce or other solutions. We've already funded one company in my previous experience uh, in the same structure. So uh, basically, uh, and content and gaming is one sector which uh, we have been quite away uh, from, from a venture debt perspective because of our thesis. But it depends, uh, as I said, that at least there should be a cash flow predictability. Wherever we can define that within broader these sectors uh, uh, and supply chain, agriculture uh, being an extension to this, I think we are quite okay looking at those businesses where there is a predictability of cash flows, unlike you are not sure. So for example, SaaS-based businesses, we like SaaS-based businesses. You might, you might think that, again, for us, the receivables are from business customers or it can be direct customers as well, but there's a predictability for the next two years, three years of this customer paying you or one year if it's a paying customer. So all of this, which results into your predictability of cash flows coming in, we like as dead models, to be honest. Well, that's awesome. I love that. Now let's transition to a segment which is very similar to Rapid Fire, where I try to explore your investor persona if uh, if you're okay with that sure why not <laughs> awesome you know what is your suggestion to anybody who's trying to enter this space especially from a venture debt financing perspective what advice do you do you have for them what do they need to know before they even think about venturing into this uh, this sector anything that you can provide them from your experience over the last 15 to 18 months or so 
Sure. Uh, 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 no, very good question. I think uh, uh, basically, I think it's a great space to be in. I personally believe this space will be very hot going forward, very underpenetrated across. Um, not only India for that matter. India is definitely underpenetrated with some of the other countries as well. Uh, I think what you have to be good in uh, while entering this space uh, is the ability to structure a debt. I think it all boils down to how you structure your debt, how you do it on case-to-case -case basis, and don't make it like one shoe fits all solution. If you know the company, if you understand the sector, and if you know how you can structure the debt and your your way out in case of some stress or guide the company outside, uh, guide the company through it. That's uh, uh, I, we personally take observer seats for that. Uh, so I think uh, if you have that pension and that agility to do that, I think that's a space for you. That's where I think our previous experience of being bankers helped out there. Well, that's brilliant. You know, how have you changed yourself, Ishpreet, over the last um, couple of years? They compare VC years to dog years, and they say you age way faster <laughs> as a as a venture capitalist in in the industry as you probably would. Yeah. Um, uh, in in any other, so how have you seen yourself change as an investor? So basically, uh, uh, I I think it's been a lovely phase to be honest. Uh, so uh, no regrets at all in terms of uh, uh, what what I've gone through in the past 15, 16 months, other uh, 18 months to be precise, since I've started building it. Uh, I think the, these 18 months have been fantastic. The only thing which you have to be wary about, just like any other founder. Uh, Uh, there are a lot of challenges when you're building something as a first-time fund manager, and I really want to bring this up because being a first-time fund manager uh, for all the young guys also uh, is not easy, right? Because you would have you when you start this or when you start any fund, capital, uh, equity, or debt, uh, you'll have all the people, uh, especially when you're leaving your cushy jobs, high-profile corporate jobs, to to put you down and say this is. Uh, This is not the cup. This is not easy. There are a lot of senior folks with 30 years, 40 years experience have not been able to make first fund. So I think uh, uh, you have to just, uh, just like any other founder, you have to keep on scratching. Um, uh, need to have that tenacity and uh, 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 basically that persistence to rough it up and uh, pass this phase. I think it's lovely uh, if you build a franchise where people admire it in terms of how you're building it and build it differently. Uh, uh, we are definitely sitting in a country which has a lot of opportunities. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah. I I I want to give it again. As I said in the starting of the discussion, I'm an optimistic person. I like to see more of uh, uh, half glass full scenario rather than empty. So uh, I I I'll give it. I'll take it any day in terms of whatever I've uh, done and how however it has been built in uh, in the past 18 months. And I think it's been a great journey. Uh, uh, please do take entrepreneurial strengths, whether as a founder, for a startup, or as a fund, uh, and back yourself. Now that's wonderful advice, and you come off as somebody who's uh, who's not wary about competition. You know, the more people in the industry, it's better for everybody, both the startups as well as investors. Because for you as investors, you can always collaborate and look at ways Absolutely. to really think of innovative. to work with innovative startups and for the startups is brilliant because more they have more number of investors in the ecosystem it's better for them gives them an opportunity to really collaborate and leverage the lp networks as well as the networks that vcs bring uh, uh, to the table so that's that's wonderful yeah, to see yeah. and hear that from your perspective no, no, as well i learned on here uh, i think the current guys have done a great job in terms of building this franchise mm -hmm. of venture debt and i think uh, we have to give it to them uh, because of the fact that uh, uh, they they came from an equity background most of them and built it up so they had 
their links or uh, relationship with uh, equity people. But yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity for a lot of lenders to enter this space. And you rightly said it results into a building up of a franchise of a particular asset class, which gives more uh, information to LPs and investor base. So as as many as possible. You know, I think that we have a lot of opportunities here. You know, I have to ask you this, we're in the midst of a pandemic. What advice yeah. do you have for startups who are thinking about raising funding during this period? Uh, how should they go about thinking about it, especially from a venture debt financing perspective? And in general, any sort of advice that you have for founders yeah. who are listening to the podcast? Sure, Kash. I think uh, you might be hearing this. Uh, so uh, uh, one might be a common uh, advice that stay put uh, past this phase, some man or the other. I, I think these are definitely a times uh, that the most problem, problematic scenario is that you can't predict for how much time you prepare it for. Whether you prepare it for six months, a year or year and a half. Um, so whatever you're predicting, just double it. Uh, if you're predicting six months, uh, think of an year. If you're thinking of an year, think of two years and prepare for the worst. Uh, but yeah, I think the silver lining is, as I said, uh, there will be a new normal. If you are a great founder and you have naturally uh, have proven it to a large extent uh, to your venture capital people, they're willing to support you. There is a dry powder there, so they will support you for uh, future uh, backing. Uh, so basically, uh, yeah, just predict what will come in the best possible manner the way you can. I, uh, I know it's not easy doing that, but if you can just understand the trends and just pivot a slight slightly different in terms of your businesses if you require to do so. Do it at this point of time and come out more stronger. I think that's a great note and a high to end this podcast on Ishpreet. I thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Really appreciate your insights. Thank you so much. Thanks, Akash. Pleasure. Pleasure being here. Thanks so much. Wasn't that insightful? Another amazing guest. I'd like to thank Ishpreet again for being on the show and sharing his insights on Venture Debt. If you enjoyed that episode as much as I did, please subscribe to our podcast. And while you're at it, drop me a rating and review. This will help others discover the show across various podcasting platforms. Tune back again next week as we have another great guest lined up. Someone over at Bertelsmann India, our first Series B and Beyond investor on this show. Till then, stay safe everybody and keep hustling.